Hi and welcome. You are listening to the Pursuit of Wellness podcast. I'm your host, Daria Tiesler, health educator, ex-professional athlete, personalized and lifestyle medicine advocate, registered nutritional therapist, personal trainer, performance coach, and a founder of Daria Tiesler Wellness. Your search for wellness is just about to begin. Each time you set your frequencies on top Pursuit of Wellness, you are going to discover something new about yourself, your health, your body, your mind, and your soul. We are podcasting from London and uh, hi to all Londoners that decided to join me again and to all new listeners. In this podcast, we explore a functional approach to blood chemistry and let's make a blood analysis clearer. Five, four, three, two, one, let's go. I like to introduce my guest for this podcast, Jonathan. Jonathan is registered nutritional therapist and nutrigenic counselor with multidisciplinary experience spanning over 25 years. He is a founding director of Functional Diagnostic LTD and is a leading specialist in functional blood chemistry testing and interpretation. As a clinician, he specialized, his special knowledge and interest uh, is in area of uh, chronic and complex uh, cases, chronic diseases such as Lyme, ME, and chronic fatigue syndrome. Hi, Jonathan, and welcome to Pursuit of Wellness podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Jonathan, how did you start your journey with blood testing and blood reading? Um, it really started in 2008 um, when... I was uh, studying for my master's in nutritional therapy and a colleague of mine came in and uh, with a book that had been written by somebody called Dick and Weatherby to do with signs and symptoms from a functional perspective. And in investigation, I found he had written a book on uh, interpreting blood chemistry. And this fascinated me because I had always uh, been to a doctor and they'd given taken blood and they looked at it and said everything's okay and in this particular book it started indicating that actually everything is not okay because there were things called optimal values and so began a journey and I eventually got in touch with Dickin and uh, we became collegiate and when I became a director of uh, BANT which is the uh, professional body for nutritional therapists in the UK I um, invited him over with uh, some other colleagues to do a talk for us and uh, he and I had been um, in dialogue for some years and he had just computerized this entire process and so um, converting something I did by hand that took hours of work into a um, model by which um, took less time and produced results and instead of having scribbles and scrawls across a page which to be quite honest I could never remember exactly what they meant I found that uh, I actually had meaningful data and I actually could see what was missing in in health and over the next few years I had decided that we needed to bring this into the UK properly the problem in the UK was that getting comprehensive blood chemistry testing and detailed analysis was an issue. The NHS do not provide detailed blood tests. They do some, but uh, by no means near enough. Uh, the private institutions would still provide a certain uh, large-ish number, but not enough, and they were darn expensive. So I embarked on a process by which I wanted to uh, bring all of that and put it all together. 
which I did, and uh, Dickon and I uh, evolved uh, Functional DX. I put it together. He's he's joined me as part of the team, and now we bring to the to the whole of uh, the UK comprehensive blood chemistry testing and analysis in a way that's never really been carried out before with huge amounts of markers and at cost-effective prices, which is also very important. Right. I, uh, I follow your uh, testing, often in a, you know, suggest the testing uh, for my uh, clients just because of what you said. Often they come in with tests and they say, uh, is everything okay with me, right? And then actually I'm saying, no, you know, let's look at, at the optimal ranges and let's look at be- beyond why you might feel tired, fatigue, right? Mm-hmm. And why you m- you might be not functioning in optimum. And the purpose of this podcast is looking into optimization of health, right? What uh, does uh, wellness mean to you? Uh, well, um, interesting. There, there's, there are some interesting definitions for wellness. I mean, the, the definition of health could be the absence of disease. But um, one, I, one I liked, I found um, on an um, uh, American site, um, a university site, uh, literally says that wellness is an active process of becoming aware of and making choices towards a healthy and fulfilling life. So we're now in we're now bringing into play not only the physical but the emotional as well and it's more than just being free from illness and it's a dynamic process of change and growth and um, in order to maintain and uh, create an optimal level of wellness is in integral and crucial to live in a high quality of life so for me um, wellness is about bringing bringing to play a way that people can exist without stress uh, to be able to move forward. The problem is a lot of people, most people in fact, are walking around with high levels of stress. They're walking around with subclinical conditions which they're trending to. And unless you find out about what's going on, it doesn't really matter how much um, they deal with underlying factors in their environment. Uh, the endogenous um, side of things, we're endogenous make from the inside. If we deal with the physical that are showing there, then we can start achieving the uh, state um, that we want, which is free from disease. Yeah, free, free from disease, and that is what is a very common definition. Uh, every single guest come here and actually talk about, right? It's going beyond just physical, and uh, yeah, wellness is not just absence. Of disease, right? Or health, even health, right? Yeah. A World Health Organization yeah. was have a very similar definition for health uh, as well. Yeah, it's not. It's it, it's not that there is a, a complementary or an alternative route that's right. I mean, you, one has got to look at what's available. Um, in, in the marketplace today. I mean, people get unwell. I get unwell. I go to my doctor if it's acute. The problem is doctors um, have a, have an issue. First of all, there's an interesting statistic um, which the NHS site uh, shows, which is 45% of all visits to doctors are for medically inexplicable symptoms. Uh, half uh, the visits to hospitals by people are for medically inexplicable symptoms. Um, these can include, uh, they, well, they get categorised into things like IBS, um, chronic fatigue, irritable bowel syndrome. And this this is problematical. And it's not the fault um, of the doctors. I mean, it is, it is just um, an, uh, the fact that they just don't have time. And the average GP in this country gets nine and a half minutes I mean, it's an absurd amount of time. You know, time you said hello, 
take your coat off, sit down or whatever, there's seven minutes left for which they've got to then assess what to do. So it's no wonder that um, the idea of health and well-being in, in, in this country is to dole out some sort of medication because uh, there's a waiting room full of people and it's the idea of one-to-one -one consultations. Um, has has you know has long gone. We've got an ever increasing population. We don't have enough doctors, and they don't have enough time, and they certainly couldn't spend an hour or so uh, on people. I also am a clinician, and uh, my idea of a consultation is at least an hour with people because I need to know who the person is. And so when the world when because I'm talking functional blood chemistry tests testing with functional DX, my way of looking at things is completely different to the way that uh, doctors look at things um, they will um, be given a set of results from the lab we all do blood as the first test the blood should always be the first test that done blood doesn't lie the problem is what they get back from the lab is a series of uh, a linear list it's just a series of uh, items um, from top to bottom based on reference ranges and the lab will tell them whether they're high low they should look at it and if they don't see any they say well it's okay the lab hasn't told me anything nothing to worry about and off we go uh, but you'll keep coming back so we need to give you some sort of medication so there are differences there yes and, and we talk here about different paradigms right of um, of healthcare mm. one is the acute you mentioned right and another one is the chronic and we particularly in this podcast pursuit of wellness we focus on mm. the chronic conditions that no one has answer for and you're still feeling not well and you want to feel optimal you mentioned uh, mentioned uh, functional dx uh, what is functional dx uh, functional dx or uh, dx is actually um, abbreviation i suppose for diagnostic um, but we're not truly diagnostic it's as, is, as i mentioned earlier um, a set of blood tests so Visit a, visit a um, phlebotomist, get your blood drawn. It's put into a series of vials. It goes back into the lab. The lab analyzes them in exactly the same way that um, any uh, blood test is analyzed. And uh, the results come out. We then take the results and we then process them through um, our own software with our own uh, algorithms. And what we get out... Um, is a series of data which are then converted into assessments of body systems um, and um, what nutrients are are, are missing, um, what are, what accessory systems, and then we end up with um, being able to assess where to apply the pressure. That's functional DX. Um, it is, without doubt, and I am of course biased, the most comprehensive and test that you can imagine and it is without doubt the best functional test that there is available in the world today and so we're very we're very proud of it and it's something that if anybody who is serious about their health or curious um, did they would find what's happening because we do not we do not go through the lens of a clinical perspective you know so, so, uh, what I should say here is that doctors and the current paradigm is that there are two states of being. So we, we spoke about wellness earlier. So, the two, the, you know, there's a state of wellness or health, or there is a state called sickness. So if you're not sick, you're healthy. It doesn't matter how close you are to the edge of being sick. If you're still in, the, you still haven't fallen off the edge or your numbers are, aren't in the... Um, 
clinical area you're considered to be healthy and um, that is a problem what we do is look at optimal values and see the trends there I'm not in the business to diagnose you know that's what doctors are for you know my father was a doctor my brother's a doctor my I've got a lot of doctors in the family and I don't tread on their toes you know that they are excellent at what they do I'm in the business of prevention and if I can identify a state of um, disease or dissatisfaction or dysfunction before it gets to the point where there's need for pharmaceutical intervention by lifestyle changes by changes in um, regimes and diet uh, then that's a problem solved if you ask me this is something that should be adopted because the health service here the nhs is running out of money costs a fortune and if and if we were in a state of um, prevention then money would be well spent and uh, the the strain and stress would be taken off but that 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 also relies on people adapting to the uh, environment and making changes themselves Right. What uh, we talk about general health, and uh, what do you think general public can learn from functional testing about their health? Um, well, um, they they will learn everything about their their health, their status. I mean, uh, first of all, a a functional DX test will identify the status of health from um, an optimal perspective of 13 body systems, seven accessory systems, uh, seven macronutrient systems, 14, that's actually a lot more now because we're just introducing new parameters, so at least 14 plus nutrient deficiencies or needs for nutrients in the body. For the, um, for the professional, identification of potential trends into 42 of the most uh, clinical dysfunctions all from a blood test and a blood test report so without having to do huge amounts of investigation um, the number of markers that we look at biomarkers are, com are comprehensive um, we range from 60 to now um, 110 markers in a test so it's it's enormous and so when I look at something uh, as a result and it says we are confident that this system needs looking at or investigating because of the depth that we look at um, I can I can put my hand to my heart and say that really needs looking at we need to address it and let's address it and let's put people back to rights again right so when uh, someone does this test what what's happened after you would refer them to the you would refer them to clinician you you also clinician right how does it work what is the process after okay so f first of all functional DX is not Uh, offered to members of the public in this form. It's a professionals only test. So you're a professional, um, you turn around to your clients and say, I've got this wonderful test and investigative uh, procedure that we can uh, help to identify what's, what's going on with you. And they will then be sent to through you to or through the site to a phlebotomist who will uh, who will draw the blood uh, and as I said the blood is then transported back to our lab where it undergoes um, processing and then the results are then processed further and then reports are produced and we produce two reports one for the one for the professional one for one for the uh, for the patient and the way we present the reports um, I'm biased they are beautiful 
They're easy to understand. Uh, they're very, very clear in graphical representation uh, with full of explanations. I think what's really important about wellness is people have to take responsibility for their health. But unless they're educated to, act, to understand what they're looking at, rather than somebody saying, well, there's nothing to worry about. No, no, go away. Don't worry. I'll tell you if there's something to worry about. Um, but they can actually read for themselves whether, you know, their thyroid dysfunction is, is looking perfect or not so perfect, whether, the, you know, whether they've got elevated um, uh, blood sugar levels. Right. Uh, and again, we're talking about optimization of health. And I know that your uh, this testing has like optimal range, right? That is a yep. little bit more narrow from the uh, from the norm. And this is the way clinician can Yeah. Uh, say right you know you might be okay but that would be the reason why you are not uh, performing is because the ranges are a little bit well, far away from opti well, optimal let, let's look at what uh, ranges mean so it, it, if it, mm. it, ranges generally are statistics and a lot of labs set their own statistics uh, there are some uh, there are epidemiological studies i you know population studies for Uh, markers and um, ranges. But the idea is if you take a general population, and I'm being very simplistic here before, you know, any of your listeners suddenly come in and start talking, um, you know, statistics at me. But if we take, uh, let's say, 100 people and we're looking, and let's call them 100 normal people, and then we're looking at their... Um, Uh, whatever we're testing, the units and the ranges, we add them up and then we divide by the number of people, you end up with a median point, what we call the mean. And by a process of mathematical calculation or statistical calculations, you take deep, what they call standard deviation points and one standard deviation point up or above or below and then two standard deviation points above or below will cover 95% of that population. Of the remaining 2.5% high or low, so that's the remaining 5%, what we have are those people fall outside of this curve. It's called a bell-shaped curve, and they're con considered to be sick. The problem is, and the problem occurs, when you have an increasing population that is becoming sicker, and you add it up, and what happens is you start to create a distribution where those people would have fallen outside of the curve are now inside the curve. They're under the umbrella. So they're now considered the new healthy. The old sick can become the new healthy. So uh, when you're told everything's okay and there's nothing to worry about, is that really the case? It's much better, in my opinion, to be able to aim for a point of health. I mean, yes, of course, it's an anti-aging perspective, but you know, somewhere around when I was 18 to 25 years of age, you know, to aim for that because that would then give me my... Um, that would give me my, my basis from which to act to get to a um, bit like going to a gym and wanting to achieve a certain number of reps. That, that's my target. And so it should be the same, exactly the same in health. And, you know, lots of things depend on, um, on population studies, you know, but it, in summary, you know, the old sick have now become, the, now become the new healthy. And that's something that we need to overcome. The other thing that happens is labs do change ranges. So once upon a time, I look at a well-known, uh, not-to-be-named uh, private laboratory in, in London, and I looked at their ranges for something called um, ESR, which stands for erythrocyte sedimentation rate. Uh, an elevated ESR can indicate blood clumping together, a state of inflammation. And their range used to go up to 
let's just say, well, it's how many millimetres in an hour do the red cells fall in, in, a, in, in a tube of liquid? And it used to be 20, it used to be up to 21. And then suddenly I look one day and I, their ranges have changed. Now they say anyone over the age of 45 or 50 or whatever it was, now uh, up, to the, up to 45 millimetres an hour is acceptable. Well, hang on. It wasn't acceptable. Now it is because they've looked at their population studies. They've looked at the people coming in. They've looked at the ages and they've gone, well, all the people are coming in are all showing this. That's normal. They're all showing that, um, you know, the older you get, the more your blood clumps together, the, uh, the further it's going to fall in this tube. Um, if that really means that all these people of a certain age are walking around within a state of inflammation, but that's acceptable. It's wrong. It's not acceptable. You want to head it off at the pass. That's my opinion. I think that explanation was just amazing uh, because that is the very common question uh, clients will ask me. What is the difference and how to look at other the, uh, blood testing? And we are in the era of uh, personalized nutrition, personalization in medicine. So I do have big hopes for the functional DX, uh, Jonathan. Okay. We said a few times the uh, word functional, or phrase functional blood. What does it mean functional in blood testing? Okay, well, as I, as I explained, when we take a statistical variance, we say 95% falls into that. But that, that would be called what you, what you would call um, in old terms a, a normal range. However, if you, if you break that down into, should we, let's just be arbitrary and say one standard deviation, then you fall outside of the one to two as trending away from optimal. So if the one standard deviation plus or minus, in other words, a bar in the middle, was where you would aim for perfect health. Uh, if you fall outside of that, but not into the unit, you're in the sick range, you're trending. And that's what functional means, that, you know, that, that, that's the area in which you can start making intervention and make interventions quickly and effectively for people. Right. Fantastic. Um, Jonathan, I have uh, lots of clients. Uh, I just pick this because I think it's very common. Um, it's lots of uh, male, female coming to my clinic and uh, there's lots of underactive thyroid and mm -hmm. Hashimoto thyroiditis, which actually is not detected. And like you said, they come in, they're still fine and, you know, <laughs> Not really. There is still something happening, right? And uh, usually the test is going to have, uh, like NHS the test is going to have, it's going to test TSH and T4, right? Free T4. Free T4. Can you please give us a little bit uh, explanation here, right? Yeah. And what is really optimal panel for yeah. thyroid health? Um, okay. Um, it's, it's, that's a much... Uh, broader question than it than it than it sounds. First of all, t uh, TSH and free T4 are known as the gold standard in thyroid testing, and there are ranges associated with it. So there is a condition called subclinical hyperthyroidism. So we have thyroid, we have subclinical hyperthyroidism. Then you mentioned Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune condition. So in terms of in terms of dealing with uh, to dealing with thyroid, um, first of all, it's not just a question of the blood uh, markers themselves, which I'll, I'll come and address in a minute because I need to talk about this in the relation about what's out there in statistically as well. Um, lots of um, um, there are lots of markers for people who've got underlying thyroid condition. 
if you don't have a clinical showing for elevated or um, uh, dropping TSH levels and they fall into a clinical range and your free T4 falls into a clinical range, it's okay, you've got nothing to worry about. I have a wonderful cartoon that shows uh, a doctor pointing to a scale on the wall and he literally is saying, it's okay, Mrs. Jones, you've got nothing to worry about. And the markers he's looking at are probably just before she falls off the edge of the chair, off, off of the scale and she's lying there with her tongue lolling out, exhausted on the floor. But it's okay, you've got nothing to worry about. And the number of people I hear this time and time and time again. And often what happens to these people, they keep coming back saying, I don't feel right, I don't feel right, something's wrong, something's wrong, I don't feel right, I can't achieve anything I want to achieve. And they have this subclinical state possibly in in development and they end up on SSRIs or um, what I call knock-em-out candy because um, what else are you going to do with people you can't deal with? Remember I said... 45% of people who walk into, you know, into a doctor, they've got inex unexplainable, um, you know, conditions that, you know, they can't be explained away. And after you've tried a load of things and you put them on a load of medication, they are then supposed to be able to uh, function again, but you don't. You, you can turn people into zombies. I mean, people with fatigue or depression, dry skin, weight grain, I mean, it's cholesterol high, it's their hair thinning. I mean, you know, as a, as a woman... You know, women are very um, particular about their hair. And when their hair starts to thin or or it gets coarse or they can't focus or the libidos drop, their cold sensitivity increases, their hands and feet get cold, maybe it's muscle pain. You know, um, all of those could be thyroid-related um, symptoms. And so um, when we look at the thyroid-related symptoms, we have to look at what the, what the values of TSH and 3T4 are and are there any other markers that we can measure uh, that would back up um, the potential um, assessment that there is a subclinical thyroid condition. When I first started as a therapist way back when, and, you know, the notion of subclinical hypothyroidism, hypo meaning underactive, um, it was laughed at. I mean, it, you know, anybody who suggested it was considered wacky, a woo-woo. And now, in the, in the last couple of years, I've been into um, hospitals and I've looked at leaflets on there, and suddenly there are leaflets on subclinical hypothyroidism. It, it's as if the professions, you know, the, uh, the mainstream professions are, are much slower to catch up to what people like you or I or are dealing with uh, recognise. And so the levels that you're looking at, and I'm not going to talk about the actual ranges themselves, but if you can identify optimal levels of functionality and you can see trends away, you can see in advance a develop, developing level of subclinical hypothyroidism, which then affects all, you know, a lot of people. Um, what's interesting is statistics. I mean, there are statistics out there. Um, I know um, sub subclinical hypothyroid symptoms have been found in what, about 4 to 8% of the general population. Uh, that's pretty extensive. Um, there was a, a report in the uh, Telegraph that 1 in 20 people, 5%, suffer from thyroid disorders. That's 5% of the population. It's starting to get scary. Um, their epidemiological studies are a little old, but I mean, 8% um, of women uh, and 10% and of these women over the age of 55, 3% of men all have subclinical hypothyroid um, and subclinical hypothyroid uh, symptoms. 
and this can progress if not checked to overt hypothyroidism once it's overt now you need medication and if you're on medication and it's it's um, and by medication I mean replacement thyroid hormones you're now giving a signal to the thyroid gland to stop producing thyroid hormones and then trying to get any hormonal producing system to restart itself after you've been on that is problematical and so the idea is not is to find things early before it gets to that stage i mean in to give you an idea of what that looks like in terms of numbers that would equate to with the, and i won't go through the whole calculations about you know the male female population but about all oh, 2.2.3 million women in this country i mean that's, that's huge um uh, have got a subclinical hyperthyroid symptom and around uh, just over half a million men about 650,000 men so what three million adults in this country so if you take that as a percentage that's around about six percent so every six out of a hundred people that you may come across in any scenario or situation you might be in it might be in a gym for example probably have an underlying thyroid uh, issue at any one stage now it might be because there's a thyroid dysfunction it might be because that um, the body wants to slow down metabolism because the thyroid is responsible for um, body metabolism the energy that's produced how 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 much we we um, produce energy wise and if you have underlying issues the body may decide it can't process all of the byproducts of metabolism so it may slow it down um, there are even further statistics. I mean, there's a chap called Thierry, uh, I think it's Hertoki or Hedog, um, but she, he's a hormone specialist and he thinks of something like 20 to 50% of the population have an underlying thyroid dysfunction. Now, how can you achieve anything? You know, I'm tired all the time. You know, I've got fatigue. I just don't feel great. And so this is a, pro this is a problem. It develops further as people get older because... Um, it's much more prevalent in women over a certain a certain age. And then you have hyperthyroidism, which only affects something in the region of um, possible 2% of women and very little in men. It's Sadly, it's another one of those, which is, you know, um, much given, driven towards females. Um, and then we have things like um, autoimmune conditions, which is what you mentioned, Hashimoto's. Now the rise of autoimmunity is now becoming documented i i see it we see it a lot it's our immune systems are are becoming less than optimal and um, having a thyroid dysfunction a th an autoimmune thyroid dysfunction could be hyperthyroid and it could be hypothyroid it's much more common obviously for hypothyroid but that can be driven by pathogens bugs um, things like epstein-barr virus um, some bacteria are known to affect the thyroid or um, to create that scenario or there are there are conditions for example like sensitivity to things like gluten so uh, and and the particular molecular structure of gluten or gliadin has a similarity to some of the thyroid gland itself and so your body's soldiers the cytokines go looking for um, the invader, the thing they want to break. And what do they see? They see a thyroid gland there and they go, ah, oh, look, that looks like it. We'll just go for it. But, of course, when these things are switched off, switching them off again comes becomes problematical. Um, 
which is why I unashamedly always try to start all of my clientele on a gluten dairy free uh, diet for at least four to six weeks to see if the, all those stressors out of the system come out. Then, of course, we have stress itself. You know, the relationship between thyroid functionality and adrenal access is also documented. And so people who are stressed may well be trending towards a poor thyroid function, maybe because, that, you know, the body needs to rest um, but um, you know that's that's the, those are the those are the issues that we have. Um, so you know, how do you define normal? You know, what what is normal anymore? I mean, this expanding curve. What about optimal? What what what's more preferential to try and achieve an optimal status and aim for that because you're going to push health back to back to the way it should should go. So amazing, so extensive, and uh, there was a reason why I picked um, thyroid, because we all see this in our clinic, right? Mm -hmm. And often um, Hashimoto is even farther not detected, right? Because no one testing the thyroid antibodies. And, um, you know, I hope that explanation is going to awaken so many people. And actually when you mentioned also few symptoms, when the thyroid could be not... Uh, optimal and you know and then functional DX can help a clinician to further know what is really happening. I, I can I can promise you this and can promise anybody listening to this that a, a functional DX test and it's a shameless plug I, I admit my um, interest in this it will identify hidden health trends uh, that was a strap line I came up in the beginning it will reveal the, the hidden picture, because that's important. A, a, you, any anybody can look at somebody else and say, "Oh, yeah, I think, I think, I think." But if, you need to see what is out of balance, and if you know what's out of balance, you can add the weight to it. Um, think about, um, I don't know, balancing on a beam with one leg in the air. Um, your body, your muscles are shifting and twitching. But if you hang weights on certain parts of the body. Uh, then you're counterbalancing what's going on. And whilst you're counterbalancing and creating balance, you can then support the body system to right itself. I'm not a healer. I, I don't heal anyone. I'm not, I'm not God. Um, what I do is help people to help their own bodies to reheal, to, to reset. Because uh, the amazing thing about the human body is it's, it's self-healing. If given the right environment, and I do believe that functional DX is big answer what is the environment that needs to be in order to achieve the healing because of this optimization of the ranges. I, 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 I completely agree. <laughs> you know, um, Jonathan, you said that there is some interest. Of course there is interest. You and me have interest to see everyone healthy, happy, feeling well, right? That is our interest, right? So, you know, we have to be free about that and that's why you're here. That's why I want to talk about what is available so you can feel better, so you can feel, you know, the best version of yourself. Yes, well, with, with the um, DX range, as I call it, the all the panels that we have, um, we had up until recently um, six panels, and they're very extensive panels ranging from the, the smallest panel of uh, six, 60, I think 66 markers to up to a, over 80 on the... Um, uh, what we call the max and the um, female and uh, male profiles. Uh, I've just introduced another 
15 or so panels on there specifically aimed for things like weight management, um, brain check, um, uh, uh, cardiac check, um, you know, performance, work well for the, you know, for the environment. So I've tried, um, anti-aging, I've tried to put panels together, which are extensive, that when a clinician looks at these numbers in there, and they look at the markers that are involved, and they can make a detailed assessment all the way down. Uh, I, I find it absurd, I have to say, that when I look at a test uh, and I, uh, that's done conventionally and I see um, an assessment of iron capacity done just by ferritin, and I go, well, you know, yes, OK, if ferritin was very low, one would assume that there is an issue with, um, you know, with iron and a potential anemia, uh, in, you know, uh, to develop, if not already in development. But that presupposes that there isn't enough serum iron available. But on the other hand, if you see a range with the ferritin with sufficient amount on there, and let's say, let's say I have a range between 30 and 70, and I'm not going to talk units, and uh, the clinical range goes up to, say, 200, 300, and I'm seeing people at 160 or so, I'm going... You know, that's a lot of redox capacity. That's a lot of iron being carried around the body. That's a lot of potential for the equivalent of the body to rust. That's too much. It's not enough. There probably is inflammation, oxidative stress, um, and potential pathogens or viruses that are causing this. We need to go investigate and apply pressure to help bring these figures down. Clinically, nothing would get done. You know, you'd get the nothing to worry about. And it's not nothing, anything to worry about necessarily right now, depending, of course, on what the client has presented with. But what it is, in a week, two weeks, two years, somewhere down the line, it's something to worry about if it's not checked. So what? So we don't deal with it now, so we defer it. Um, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, impractical business an impractical business proposition eventually you build up the debt so high that you go bankrupt and the idea is to stop bankrupting your health it's you gave the uh, high range of the ferritin i often see the the bottom one right that you're still within the normal but uh, usually female pre pre uh, coming with all the symptoms of tiredness fatigue losing hair you know iron very important for thyroid function mm -hmm. right difficulty uh, to lose weight right uh, immunity suppress is the other angle but it's exactly uh, you know I'm 100% agree with you I have a question in regards prick testing maybe a little bit controversial here okay. it's it's that good option for <laughs> comprehensive panel because I saw uh, I think there is some um, I don't remember I think there was some research done in some US universities and they running and actually they said that hmm, not really pick yeah. testing okay the gold standard is venipuncture um, for uh, what, what we mean by venipuncture which is a needle inserted into a vein and blood drawn out from there um, why that works well is because you've got a flow going through and you don't have to squeeze or push or warm up. You know, there's enough pressure, we hope. There are people where getting bl blood out of a vein is a problem and that gets represented often in uh, the lab's difficulty to run uh, proper results on that. However, when it comes to um, the rest of testing for blood, you have, to, you have capillary or finger stick, 
uh, where um, the needle is pushed into the uh, fingertips and, uh, and then you have blood spot where you drop blood onto reactive or coated material. Um, it, the capillary finger stick uh, dropping blood onto coated material, uh, there's a new new system coming out where um, there's literally a container, three liter, three microliter container that, that straps onto the arm. They're, they're, um, and then there are little needles that go in and it's left there for 20 minutes and it just gets filled up by osmosis. It's, it's relatively, um, allegedly, I haven't tried it, painless. Um, but a tiny amount and um, they are inexpensive I mean you know to, to get phlebotomy and centrifuging which um, I insist on doing with functional DX otherwise there'll be lots of markers we couldn't uh, measure um, that, they, that costs money but then the capillary ones aren't they're cheap however you're only drawing a small amount of blood maybe a five, five microliter tube. And maybe you're putting three of these into each fingertip. One, one, you know, you take three fingers, do one for each finger. First of all, you've got to warm the hands up. You've got to get the needles through. It can be painful. They're fingertips. They're designed to be very sensitive. Uh, and then you've got to get the blood out. And a lot of people have difficulty and they have to squeeze and it's a messy, it can be a messy process. Um, is it accurate? Um, well, if it was because it's cheap, then it, it, I would suggest that um, the NHS, which is um, you know is the um, always plagued by financial costs, would be would have taken this up, and they haven't done yet because there are questions about the accuracy of it. To not necessarily to the point where. Um, it's totally inaccurate, but there are variances. And I think you need to stay... I mean, it's blood. This is, this is your health. Go for the best. It's your health. You deserve the best. I deserve the best, you know. Um, and so uh, spend the money on getting the best thing possible. However, there are places I believe this can, it should be used, could be used. If you are just looking for an assessment of, I don't know, let's say vitamin D. So you've had a test. Your vitamin D levels were lower than you wanted and you've been on vitamin D supplementation for a few weeks now you just want to look at your vitamin D levels it makes more sense to do a finger prick test and look for the vitamin D to gives you a really good indication of how your therapy is going relating to that one item maybe it might be some liver markers and in that respect doing those few doing a few markers there is a validity there there is a place for this uh, as, as an indicator but if you're going to go beyond that um, then, then the gold standard is still is still venipuncture. Um, I've got statistics. I mean, we the, our professional group ran somebody ran a study on vitamin D, and that was that showed five to six percent variation. Um, you know, um, for for venipuncture, but thirteen or so percent for um, um, uh, finger prick testing. And so I I, I stand with that. I, I wanted to stress out what you what you just said about being an advocate of your own health. Give yourself the best uh, possible. And that is also the purpose of this uh, podcast today, right? But I've asked this question because I know that there is uh, lots of uh, things happening in regards to uh, blood testing to making available to the uh, public. But um, that was a great point about the uh, vitamin uh, D. Uh, 
My last question is, uh, Jonathan, uh, in regards performance enhancement um, via functional uh, DX. Have you got any testing that could help our amateur athletes? Okay. Um, well, so you, when you so when you say performance, you're referring to uh, physical prowess. Yeah. Can I run faster? Can I jump higher? Can I lift more? Um, it, it's, it, it, there is no difference between that goal and somebody getting out of bed and feeling awake, you know, not feeling like they've got a cold. You know, the same thing applies. The problem with health in athletes is that it's magnified enormously. Look at world record holders who don't perform. And what you hear, they've got a virus. They've got something that normal, the rest of us wouldn't even notice Particularly, we're just taking us right, but because they are working at the on the edge uh, under so much stress, and, and let, let, let's be quite honest about this, stress is a killer. It's the number one issue that plagues our society today. I mean, I could give you another um, ten podcasts on stress and how to how to deal with Why it. Why not? But, Maybe um, one day. <laughs> yeah, um, but. The problem that, that people have is, let's say you have an underlying thyroid dysfunction and it's subclinical. How are you going to perform better? What are you doing? You're driving your body through to produce and do things that it's not capable really of doing now. So you're creating an inordinate amount of stress. You're creating damage for what? So for everybody who wants to perform better, the, my message is know where your starting point is. Exactly what do you have to do? Um, to improve on is your blood sugar out of control well let's balance it you can still perform you know is there a potential risk of any pathogens showing up in there you can have subclinical you know pathogen uh, responses is there are there allergy responses happening you know is your liver functioning as well as it could do you know i could talk you know is there a need for nucleotides for example um so you know every to enhance um the performance very simple measure your measure your parameters see what you've got to do with and then listen to your professional like yourself as to this is the diet that you really need to go on these are the lifestyle changes that you might need to do um, this is the way that you may need to exercise um, to deal with what's happening at the moment for a period of time but then the long-term effects are guaranteed you are going to be further along your goal to achievement than you would have been if you did it the other way and you will have longevity the other way is, is, a, is a road to burnout I, I think um, you know we must do this uh, podcast one day about uh, sport and performance because you know I used to be a professional mm. athlete and I believe that if I had this type of test I would never get injured and I would be performing much longer than actually I did because the injury knocked me out. But stress and the enormous amount of work that you are putting on the body is what I believe is a problem, uh, what caused the injuries, yeah. right? And in the functional DX test as well, there are markers, there are ratios that you can one can look at and one can see stress. I mean, you know, I mentioned ferritin. 
That shows, you know, for example, that shows levels of oxidative stress. I mean, define stress. There's the stress from outside that exogenous exterior stress. So that's from the life, from trying to achieve overachievement, whether it's for athletes, whether it's for children doing exams, um, whether it's being at work and wanting to get a promotion. That's still stress. That's exogenous. Endogenous is if your physiology inside um, is unable to cope, it's a stressful situation. Um, men, you know, for men, for women, having a, a, a hormone levels that are out of control creates all kinds of other issues. And so if you know where you are, you know what to do. An athlete knows where they are um, because they know how much they can lift before they, you know, fall down. They know how much they, how fast they can run. They know, um, they, they know how, you know, how uh, long they can run for. They have all of these parameters. They want to achieve something more, but something there is a block to them, like a wall. And if you want to get through the wall, know what your starting point is, deal with it, and um, the rest is, uh, is, is achievable. I hope this uh, podcast uh, is bringing lots of awareness, and that's what uh, was uh, our goal. How can we find you, Jonathan? Um, th- through you, <laughs> obviously. Um, it's a professional only site, so um, we only we can only sign up professionals onto the site. So for interested parties, um, you can come uh, to you, or they can come to uh, functionaldx.com, and we will we will put them appropriately in touch with people you know who can help them achieve that. Jonathan, thank you for joining Pursuit of Wellness podcast, and I wish you all the best with spreading the message about Functional DX. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Daria Tiesler Pursuit of Wellness podcast. If you want to know more, check out my website www.dariatiesler.com. Join us next time when I will be hosting Dr. Sula, who is a specialist and expert in mindfulness. And I hope she will share with us more about how you can optimize your health for a purpose of a mental health and how to support yourself on the way to lifestyle change. Thank you and see you soon. This podcast intends to optimize your health and well-being and does not substitute medical advice. This podcast does not intend to sell and I do not get any profits from sales.